I can't believe what I've heard. I have heard I used to, but not anymore. There's too much to do. I've heard my salespeople are better than I am at dealing with customers. I heard I try to spend a couple of days a year seeing customers. Uh, I see them at company events when they're invited guests or to the absolutely outrageous. I had enough contact with customers when I started the company. I don't want to deal with customers anymore. Episode 204, Getting and Keeping Your Hands Dirty. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. This is The Game Changers with 1.9 million listens and downloads and growing every week. It's the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestselling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, reinvention. Jason, great to be with you. Uh, Dale, it is uh, great to be with you as well. Before we begin, uh, can can I share something with you and everyone listening? Please. Okay. So when we were finished recording uh, or doing the podcast uh, last week, I I was telling you about the upcoming Global Guru Conference. And uh, so for uh, listeners who are not familiar with the Global Guru, uh, every year uh, there are nominations put forth from about 22,000 speaking agents, meeting planners, executives, academics on who they believe the uh, leading uh, leadership gurus are in the world. And then everybody on the planet has a chance to vote on And I normally don't like popularity contests like that, but I like this one because you can only vote once from an IP address. So you can ask people, your fans and readers to vote for you, but they can't vote more than once. And so I I consider it to have this air of legitimacy. And so I've been on the list for, I guess, the last 10 years. Uh, since it began. Uh, So it was decided that they were going to have the first ever gathering of the gurus. And I was somehow involved in trying to figure out where it's going to be. It's going to be in Toronto. Uh, It takes place next weekend. And uh, almost all the gurus are going to be there. Uh, I think it's going to be a great time to meet people and uh, uh, learn best practices and share my best practices. And yesterday I did something really stupid. Have you ever asked someone a question and you... You're sorry you asked the question? Oh, yes. Okay. I've had that experience. (laughs) So the question I asked completely innocently, because I had not seen anything in writing, is I I, I sent the the person who owns the event uh, an email and said, um, can you give me some indication of what the dress is going to be? Uh, Because the subject hadn't come up. Well, before you know it, There's an online poll going on where only the gurus can vote. And guess which selection do you think is winning? Suit and tie. Tuxedos. 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 I mean, I haven't put on a tux for, I don't know, four or five years. It's still hanging in the closet. It's probably, I mean, hopelessly out of date, I I would guess. I mean, and I promised myself the last time I wore one, I'm never wearing a tuxedo again. I think they're the most pretentious, the most pretentious thing you can wear. So now I've got to wait and see the result. I mean, am I going to be stuck in a darn penguin suit uh, next Saturday in Toronto, Canada? 
I, I, I hope you I asked. Because I asked. You asked. I should have just kept my mouth shut and worn jeans and a polo shirt. And uh, I could have been very happy. Anyway, listen, I'll let you set the I'll I'll let you set the podcast up, but I had to share that. You'll have to report back on the experience then. Uh I I will. I will. Okay. <laughs> and take a selfie with the uh <laughs> All right. So our topic today is getting and keeping your hands dirty. I love this topic because you first introduced it um, in a podcast a long time ago. We didn't go into in-depth like we're, we're going to today, but you told the story of working with Procter & Gamble yes, and how their executives would go into homes and, yes. and you use that. Immediately after you doing that, I implemented that in um, my org- the organization I work for, Better Business Bureau, to, with some amazing results and had some really uh, a lot of fun with it and then have kept it at the forefront of our conversations and the way we do business since. And uh, so I'm looking forward to this today. Okay. Thanks. Well, and, and into getting your hands dirty. And for those people who are not familiar with this, uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, I was the, uh, I, I'm, I'm the only outsider uh, who has ever been allowed to be part of this. And uh, every meeting ever conducted by Procter & Gamble comes in two forms. Uh, when they bring 100 leaders together or 500 leaders together, um, the morning or early morning uh, is devoted to the business that they have to take care of. Then at about 12 noon, everybody goes out in teams of two and uh, jumps into an assigned vehicle and a driver. Uh, This one happened to be in Istanbul, uh, Turkey. And you spend the next four or five hours calling on two prearranged family visits. And uh, these were, and in our case, obviously, we had to have an interpreter. And these were two of the most enlightening uh, events I've, I've ever taken part of from like one o'clock to three o'clock and from about three 30 to five 30. And then everybody goes back to the hotel, uh, the conference center where this is taking place. And there's about a two hour program as people get up and talk about what they heard and what they learned. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and so I'm glad to hear that you ran with it. And so let me tell you what happened. Um, I, I, I really think, um, I've, I've been at this now, uh, since my first book came out 19 years ago. So I have been out there speaking and uh, teaching and researching for the past 19 years. And I think leaders more and more are getting it. Uh, they're, they're getting culture. They're getting purpose. They're getting head has to meet the heart leadership. I, uh, I I give almost everybody I meet uh, a passing grade and some brilliant grades. But I've had a suspicion uh, in the last several months uh, that keeping your hands dirty is not high on anybody's list. So for about the past month as I've been out there, uh, it's not like I've been out with a research pad and interviewing people, but as I've been with leaders, CEOs and business owners, I've just worked it into the conversation. I'll say something like, wow, I mean, you're really busy. How much time do you get to spend with customers? Uh, or I might be more direct once we're in the middle of a conversation about uh, how, how do you have a program in place for your leaders to be actively involved? Involved in, in customer-facing time. And I, I, I can't believe uh, what, what I've heard. Uh, I have heard, I used to, but not anymore. There's too much to do. Uh, I've heard my salespeople are better than I am at dealing with customers. Uh, I heard, uh, I try to spend a couple of days a year 
seeing customers. Uh, I see them at company events when they're invited guests. Or to the absolutely outrageous, I had enough contact with customers when I started the company. I don't want to deal with customers anymore. And uh, this, uh, now, to be fair, I had a couple of people look at me when I asked the question and they said, uh, you're going to bust my chops uh, because I know I should be doing more than I'm doing. And I know I've got to move it up my agenda, but I've kind of been bad recently. Well, let me share a number with you. And the number is from our research into 220,000 companies over the past 20 years. And here's what it is. Company leaders who spend, who have a program where every leader spends a minimum of 20% of their time in actual customer-facing interactions. They outperform companies that don't have a program by three to one on the top line and five to one on the bottom line. I mean, if you have a program in place where every leader in the organization is keeping their finger on the pulse of what's going on and in customer-facing situations all the time, you dramatically outperform your rivals who don't. So I came up with... um, so I, I went back to a couple of my books, and I, I came up with about eight things I want to point out to people uh, that that any great company should be doing. You know, if you want to be a good company, uh, maybe you don't have to do all of them. If you want to be a mediocre company, maybe you can, you know, uh, just pedal push by. But if you want to be a great company, here are the things that great companies do. And here's why they have built customer interfacing programs. Number one, how in the world... Can you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening if you don't talk to the lifeblood of your business and the lifeblood of your business are the people that provide the cash that's coming in the door that allows everything else to happen? I mean, the customers are all you have. Without customers, I mean, it's all an empty exercise and it's an empty exercise that wouldn't last very long. So how, how, how else do you presume to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening? I, I, I know uh, you've you've had an occasion to uh, call a cable company or uh, call an airline, and and now the big thing is, if you'd like to complete a brief customer satisfaction survey, please stay on the line. And so I just like to hear how bogus these stupid surveys are, and all of these surveys are designed to do only one thing: only measure that one customer interaction. You're not provided an opportunity to say, I think your customer or your, your company sucks. I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not, it's just now thinking of the last interaction you had with the last person you spoke to, did they do this? Did they do that? Did they do this? Because they want to go and beat up those people. They want to go and beat up those people. And, and, and so all any survey that is not conducted by an outside professional research firm that builds it to reveal warts and all is bogus. Anything companies design in-house is bogus. It's built to make the leadership done well. You are not keeping your finger in the pulse of what's really happening. Number two, here's why. To figure out and witness the things you're not good at from a customer's perspective. The greatest question any leader can ask is how can we better serve you? Is there something we can do to help you out. I mean, is there, is, are we missing the boat someplace? 
What's, what's a problem that you're having or a challenge that you're having that you wish somebody could solve? Maybe not us, but, but anybody to engage from a customer's perspective to find out how we can better serve you. And do you have any, any idea how much it means to a customer? I mean, for a CEO or for a senior executive to just sit down and in conversation, ask that question. Number three, it gives you an opportunity to work on your business not for your business or in your business. I mean, it gives you an opportunity to be thinking big thoughts about your business, on your business, not going to work every day at eight o'clock and leaving at five o'clock and being burdened back to back with meetings and running hither, thither, and though. No, it gives you an opportunity to see the big picture. Number four, for intelligence gathering for future products and services. I can promise you that if you, in, if any company has a program where every leader is involved in, in direct customer interfacing situations, a minimum of 20% of their time, you will never run out of things to try or do. You'll never run out of them because there's going to be new ideas all the time. Number five, the reason you have to do it is because it means a lot to customers. They feel important. Well, what could be better than making a customer feel important? Number six, because it's the right thing to do and sets an example for everyone else in the company. When, when, when the CEO says, uh, Michael, I'll tell you what, uh, it's Tuesday. Uh, next Monday, I'm going to go out and ride with you and uh, just get close to some customers. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, when word gets around that you're out riding, I mean that you care enough to be with customers, uh, everybody else is going to stand at attention too. And number seven, it ups everybody's game. Everybody just gets better. I mean, people respect what management inspects. And if management and leadership cares enough to be out in the field or on the shop floor or wherever it is, everybody's game is upped. And then finally, from one of my books, one of the favorite lines, it prevents the law of suckage from applying to you and your company. And for those of the people who are not familiar with the law of suckage, it says this, by the time you figure out you suck, you have sucked for a long, long time. And so it prevents the law of suckage from taking hold of your company because you're out there seeing firsthand what's going on. Now, as for the, the argument I generally get, Dale, and then I'll let you ask some questions. The argument I generally receive is I don't have time. And if somebody says they don't have time, what I would very simply say is your priorities are in the wrong place because here's what I know about you, Mr. CEO. Here's what I know about you, Mr. SVP. Here's what I know about every executive. I know they're not doing the books. They're not there doing the bookkeeping. I know they're not running HR. I know that they're out on, the, on the factory floor building the product or delivering the service. I know that they're not cleaning the building. So uh, what are you engaging in other than um, feeling self-important and above it all? And you know what that is? That's executive entitlement. And it's paved the road to hell. So if you're, if you're ready to make the leap to 50% of becoming a great company, that's great. But if you, if you need to begin with some small steps, here are a few small steps. Spend one week, do a day with salespeople or in the store. And, and, and don't be in the store or out there as the CEO or the SVP or this leader or that leader. Just be along as an associate. Or maybe one week, 
spend a day fielding telephone calls from your customers, uh, which is a real eye-opener. Or maybe one week, spend a day dealing with unhappy customers. Just gather every complaint that's come in in the past month or the past week and just sit down on the phone and call these people. Do you have the guts? Or maybe one week, do a day calling customers just to say thank you. Uh, so those are my thoughts. I don't, I don't know what your reaction is or what questions you have or what you want to follow up with. It's intuitive. It's one of those things where it's really easy to, to say, I need to, I should. It's long-term important. I think of the, the matrix of urgent versus important over time and what captures our attention immediately. And it's so easy to say, to walk in the office with the best laid plans the night before that I'm going to spend tomorrow, my one day of the week dealing with calling customers to say thank you. And you walk in and all of a sudden you've got an emergency that takes your, takes your time away from calling the customers to do something else. So what I'm getting, getting at is the importance of intentionality around this concept wow. because it really is a game changer for businesses. Uh, of course it is. And, and, and the way it works is this. Uh, 34 years ago, I hired my first personal trainer and I made a promise to be in the gym six days a week every day with no excuses. And I set up a time and every day of the week, I was going to see the trainer at four. And if I was traveling, I had a trainer arranged in whatever city I was going to be in. I understand it's an indulgence. I, I, I don't spend a lot of money on a lot of things. I think I'm pretty frugal and careful, uh, but that's an expense that I've always been willing to incur. And I've always told any trainer I've ever had, uh, if you get a call from me, I mean, saying, I have to cancel today or I can't come. And I'm going to tell you the words I used with them. I said, you come and find my tired ass and I'll give you a bonus of $1,000. I mean, that's how intentional you have to be. It's, it, it can't be moved. It can't be canceled. It can't be postponed. The only way to do it is if you say, on Tuesday afternoons and Thursday morning, I am only doing company or customer facing activities. It has to be a rule. I mean, it has to be a rule. It has to be discipline. It has to be a program because the road to hell is paved with good intentions and good intentions aren't good enough. So you started the podcast off saying that you don't find many people who do this of nope. the ones who do. What are some of the results you've seen and, and who does it really well? And what does that look like? Okay, I, 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 I think I probably maybe already uh, kind of shared some of those things, but, but let me give you a, a couple of them. Uh, I think of the CEO who, told, who has uh, every employee uh, and associate in their organization of 18,000 people ask a customer every day, what else can we do? What itches that we can scratch? What's a pain point that maybe we can make go away? And as he told me, he said, the moment we implemented that program, he said, first of all, it's become our culture. He said, but within a week, I knew that we would never run out of new things to do and try. Uh, and this is a company, this is a company that's gone from $5 billion a year when he took over to an excess of $30 billion a year uh, right now. Um, I, 
your customers become your allies um, and, and they no longer see you as somebody providing them a good product or service. They really see you as, as a partner. And when they see you as, as, as a partner, they want you to do well uh, as well. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I guess the easiest answer is read my books because all the companies uh, that made it into all eight books are companies that practice this. Fantastic. It's a, it's a tremendous challenge and it's 50% of a leader's time invested, truly invested because the, the ROI, the payoff is huge, huge. but it's invested in keeping your one's hands dirty. And well, just, just your hands dirty means spending time with the customer. Well, just remember the numbers I shared with you. This is a result of studying, uh, uh 220,000 companies that, uh, Every company that has a program in place where a minimum of 20% of their time uh, is spent in actual customer-facing interactions, they outperform companies that don't have a program by three to one on the top line and five to one on the bottom line. Companies where leaders spend 50% of their time doing it, they're off the charts. So uh, those, are, those are black and white numbers. Fantastic. Any final words for us? I do. I do have some final words for you. You know who I'm feeling really... And there's, there's going to be a lesson here for many people who are listening. Do you know who I'm really feeling bad for these days, Dale? Who? I am feeling so bad for dogs. I have been noticing this now for the past year or two years. So uh, where I live in this small, beautiful little village in the coast of California across the bay from San Francisco, a lot of people have dogs. And so in our neighborhood... I see a lot of people out walking their dogs. But you know what I see? They're walking their dogs and they're either talking on their phone or they're texting on their phone. And they're having no interaction with the dog whatsoever. And I always want to go, you poor puppy. You don't get any time. You don't get any affection. You're getting nothing from your mom or dad. They're so busy. And it's every day. It's every day. Whenever, whenever I want to take a break, uh, uh, one view of my place is of the Golden Gate Bridge and, uh, and the skyline of San Francisco. But if I go out the other way, I look at the street where I live on and stand on the balcony. And I have not seen a dog owner engaged with their dog in months in months. All they've got is a damn telephone in front of them and they're either texting. It reminds me a couple of weeks ago when I was on the road, I saw a guy walking down the city street texting. He was so wrapped up in his text, slam, he walked straight into a light pole and knocked himself on the butt and had a huge gash in his head. And I'm sorry, I want to be a nice person. I felt bad for him. I hope he didn't get permanently hurt, but you can't, you can't, you almost have to go. That's kind of justice. I mean, look where you're going. I mean, come on, wake up. And the kicker is we have a small dog park. So we've got this beautiful long pathway that we're when we do the 10 mile hike that runs along Richardson Bay and they have a dog park there with two or three benches and uh, and people go down there and play with their dogs and their dogs can get social interaction the last time I walked by there there were four people sitting on four different park benches there were four dogs at their feet and they were all on their phones texting I mean the dogs weren't even out playing with each other because I guess they were just sitting there looking for some attention. And so I don't know if you saw the news last week. Um, there's medical evidence now. Did you know that human beings are, are growing horns? Did you know that? Yes, okay. Human that. beings are growing horns, physically growing horns from looking down at their damn display. <laughs> 
And so I, I kind of like my mother. My mother's a really cool lady, a really cool lady. And, uh, you know, she uses her iPad a lot and she's, uh, she's online a lot and she uses her phone all the time. And, uh, several days ago, uh, my sister had tried to call my mother and uh, didn't get an answer on the home phone and then tried to call her on her mobile phone, didn't get an answer there. So when my mother went in the house, my sister called again and my sister said, where were you? I was trying to reach you. My mother said, I was out watering plants. And she said, well, why didn't you answer your phone? And my mother said, you know what? That phone is never going to become part of my body. It's never going to become a permanent part of my body. So I'm feeling bad for dogs these days. I'm sorry. I mean, so if you've got a dog, I mean, spend some time with them. Be engaged with them. Get off your darn phone for a while. And double for kids. And double for kids. kids. Or triple for kids. I, you know, I feel, I listen, in restaurants all the time, you see mom and dad sitting there, bup, 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 they're texting away, and the three little kids are sitting there totally disengaged. It's um, With their own devices. Yeah, 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 sometimes with their own devices. This is going to have real long-term consequences. And uh, the topic of a podcast for us in the future. This is one of my biggest concerns as a parent of teenagers and yes. seeing what it's doing to us. Yep. Society. All right. Well, listen, wrap it up, my friend. I will do that. Thank you so much for that. Hey, um, if you, the listener, uh, would like to, we would really appreciate you rating and reviewing this podcast. Go to your favorite podcast player. Break away from Snapchat for just a moment. <laughs> Go to your favorite podcast player and uh, rate. Hopefully, we've earned five stars from you. Review it. it. makes it easier for people looking for this type of content to find in the podcast players. And if you have not subscribed to this podcast, do so in your podcast player, or we've made it super simple. Just go to jason-jennings.com slash iTunes to subscribe to this podcast. While you're out there, Jason would love to hear from you. Send an email about how you are extricating yourself away from the telephone. And you can do it, jason at jason-jennings.com. Jason at jason-jennings.com. Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today has called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. Learn how your group or company can have Jason keynote your next event. Visit the website, jason-jennings.com. This is the Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com. <laughs>